Last week, Pastor Rick introduced this sermon series by explaining that the 12th chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans is one of those passages in the Bible that we can lift up to show us how we should live as Jesus followers. We're reading this passage from the message this month so we can hear it in a fresh way. The message is a version of the Bible that was translated by one person, Eugene Peterson, who wanted to write the Bible in everyday language that people could understand. It's unique and often really helpful. I love it. Author Frank Crouch commented that Romans 12 is so jam-packed that you could preach on it for months and not repeat yourself. We only get to talk about it for four weeks, so we better get cracking. This first uh, three verses, which Pastor Rick spoke about last Sunday, say how we should give our everyday, ordinary lives, our sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around lives, and place them before God as an offering. This means that it is our whole selves God wants, not a sliver of time on Sunday morning as our worship, but that everything we do, everything we say, how we treat ourselves, how we treat other people, our work, our play, how we care for our bodies, and how we care for our earth, all of it is our offering to God. It goes on to say that we should not adjust to the culture around us, but instead fix our attention on God and be transformed into the people God wants us to be by God's grace. This next part of the chapter begins to explain how we do that and what that looks like. We're just looking at another three verses today, verses four through six, and Dana is going to read it to us now. In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Dana. Let us pray. God of grace and love, speak to us today. Help us understand one thing better than we did before. Help us be transformed into the people you want us to be. Amen. Many of you know that I had the privilege of spending most of July in Scotland uh, for a renewal leave. I'll be showing some pictures in November at 50 Nover if you want to see. Uh, but this morning, I just want to tell you just a little bit about what I did. I spent most of my time in a cottage on the Isle of Mull off the western coast of Scotland in the Inner Hebrides. It was a beautiful place, right on an inlet of the Atlantic Ocean. 
I enjoyed watching the tide uh, come and go, as well as the horses, sheep, and wild geese <laughs> that frequented the land that were between the cottage and the water. I was also lucky enough one day to see a sea otter uh, playing on the rocks along the shore. You have to be really quiet and still uh, for them to show up when you're there. My ultimate destination, however, was the Isle of Iona, not far from where I stayed. It's been the home of a Christian community of some sort since 563. It only occurred to me, like when I was writing this, um, just 500 years after Christ, right? So, I don't know, a long, long time ago. The original monastery, founded by Columba, is long gone uh, because it was built of wood. But a stone abbey stands in the same exact spot of the original one that was built in the 1200s, um, and it fell into ruin in the mid-1500s. It languished for centuries, uh, but people were still thinking about it and concerned about it, and so it was rebuilt beginning in the early 1900s and finished in the 1960s by what is called the Iona community, which flourishes today. I was very surprised to find, once I arrived, that there is also a nunnery that was built at the same time as the Stone Abbey that was an active community for 350 years. It remains a ruin. The way a monastery or a nunnery worked back then in the Middle Ages makes me think of what we are talking about today being the body of Christ. Each was a system that had a lot of moving parts. There were leaders who helped make decisions and guided the activities. There were bakers uh, who made the bread to be eaten each day. There were people assigned to care for the animals. There were people um, whose job it was um, to tend the crops and the gardens. There were monks in the abbey and nuns in the nunnery who were in the choir and charged with leading worship. They followed the divine office of praying eight times a day, including once in the middle of the night. In the monastery, especially the first one started by Columba, there were monks who spent long hours copying scripture in careful calligraphy, some with ornate pictures as part of it. If anyone has ever heard of the Book of Kells, um, it is thought to have been created on Iona, or at least started there and then finished in Ireland. The um, Vikings started raiding and killing off the monks, and so they removed uh, <laughs> the monks and the Book of Kells. That's the way the story goes at one point to Ireland to save it. Some monks and nuns would have been responsible for greeting travelers and pilgrims who made their way uh, to the island to worship and perhaps to seek healing. Being the body of Christ is the same. Each person is given different gifts by God to serve in a way that makes the function of the body possible. In order to make the body work, we need different parts. As I mentioned, we have just three little verses today, actually two and a half, uh, since the other half of verse six will be addressed next week. There's still a lot of layers uh, to what we can learn. I want to highlight today just four little lessons. Little lesson number one. It's not about being a superstar. It's about being part of something bigger than we can be by ourselves. The world teaches us that it's meaningful to be a superstar. I remember when I was about 12 or 13, I wanted to be an actress, and I wanted to be 
famous. I talked about it, and I remember, I remember telling people about that. How many kids have you heard say that? You want to be famous, right? A famous athlete, a famous musician. Everybody wants to know all about you, be like you, see you play or sing or perform. You feel important. You also get paid a lot of money, which means you can buy whatever you want. Fancy cars and houses and toys. In our consumer-driven culture, that is the ultimate dream come true, right? But as Jesus followers, we are called not to adjust to the culture around us. By choosing Jesus, we become part of the body of Christ that works together to accomplish the mission of God. This doesn't mean you lose who you are as an individual. It's not like the Borg, if you're a Star Trek fan. In the Borg Collective, there are no individuals, only the hive mind, the group mind. So you lose your own personhood, your personality, your will. In the body of Christ, God still calls each of us by name. God still knows the depth of each of our hearts and minds, all of the pain and suffering we have experienced and witnessed, and the gifts that have been given to us individually. The idea is that the gifts that have been given to us are for the good of the body, not just our own gain. When Pastor Megan and I uh, were each at the churches we served before coming to Clarkston, uh, we were in the same district, the old Ann Arbor district. I remember being at a district event with her and her husband, Joel, uh, who's pastor now at Goodrich. And I remember him commenting uh, that one day that when he leaves a church, he doesn't even want them to remember his name, just that the church was the church when he was there. It's, it really stuck with me that he said that. And maybe that's going a bit too far to imagine that a person's identity is forgotten, but the point is that the function of the body is what is paramount. However, this doesn't mean that each part of the body is unknown or unimportant. On the contrary, author Alice McKenzie says it this way, every member of the body deserves a front row seat. If we can't be superstars, it feels like we get relegated to the back seat somehow, but that's not it at all. All of the parts of the body are important because of what we can do together. In my hiring interview here at Clarkston, I remember asking what Adult Righteous Mission was because I hadn't heard of it before. It's a name that's unique uh, to Clarkston. And I realized that it has evolved over the years, um, but the answer Pastor Rick gave me that day was this. We go to an organization and say, we have 100 people to work over the course of the week and $10,000 to spend. How can that change the mission of your ministry? Wow, I was really impressed. I thought 100 people, that many resources? What a boost, I mean, what a difference that we can make in our community. We can accomplish more together than what we could ever accomplish on our own. Little lesson number two. You don't have to do everything, just do your part. Is there anyone else out there who has a problem with being overly responsible? <laughs> Thank you, I'm not the only one. When you look around our world, the problems in it can seem 
overwhelming and the cause of much despair. Racism and hate crimes are up. Gun violence is out of control. Climate change continues to cause increasing severe weather that damages lives and communities. Families continue to be separated at our borders and in our country, and children are suffering. Plastic waste is killing wildlife and choking our oceans. It's hard to know where to turn or what to do first. The good news is that we don't have to individually do it all. We're part of the body of Christ, called to fight for justice, for speaking for those who are not allowed to have a voice, to be communities of love, not hate, and to be good stewards of the earth that God has given us. Faith Fowler, uh, pastor and director of Cass Social Services, where uh, Fuel was this summer, uh, quoted Mark Twain in an interview lately, who said, there are two really important days in your life, the day you are born and the day you figure out why. Everybody is here for a reason. That was part of it. God has given each of us the ability to contribute to the body of Christ. Maybe it's a big thing. Maybe it's a small thing. But it, all the parts work together for the body to function. Every part is important. It was Frederick Beekner who said, Your vocation in life is where your greatest joy meets the world's greatest needs. What is your greatest joy? What is your greatest passion? What does the world need the most right now? Believe me, there's a whole list. You don't have to, I mean, you can pick and choose from among so many things. Maybe it's a small thing right in front of you. When I went to Scotland, I learned that plastic trash is a problem everywhere. I began taking a bag with me whenever I went for a walk in case I found any. On the boggy, rocky shore in front of my cottage, over several different walks, I picked up three bags of trash, a piece of twisted metal, plastic pieces too big to fit in my bags, and two jugs of hazardous chemicals. I could have left them there. After all, I mean, it wasn't my responsibility, was it? I took what I could to the recycling station, had to throw some of it away. It was harder to find a place to take hazardous household chemicals, but I found one that was like one of my biggest wins of my whole trip. <laughs> I was truly inspired by the fact that the Iona community, the religious community that now occupies that ancient abbey on Iona, they could just isolate themselves. Do you know what I mean? I mean, this place is so breathtakingly beautiful and it's remote, it's really hard to get there. I mean, they could just isolate themselves in a beautiful place and just, you know, gaze at the sea all day. But no, they work for justice all over the world, including environmental justice. Kathy Galloway, a former leader, said, what we do is small, but that doesn't make it insignificant. We do what we can not what we can't. It's important not to get overwhelmed. We can't crawl into a hole and hide, tempting as it is on some days. God has things for us to do, and we can do what we can, what's right in front of us.
Little lesson number three. Differences are what make it all work. Let's think about the function of the marvelous human body for a moment. In order to speak, we need vocal cords, lungs to take in and expel air, a brain to think about what we want to say, ears to hear what we are actually saying, and to support all of that activity, we need a heart to pump blood to all of the cells in the body, as well as a waste system to take away all of the byproducts. That's a lot of different jobs being done just to accomplish one thing, speaking. Lungs are a lot different than the brain, which is different, again, than the ears, or the vocal cords, or the heart. The body of Christ is the same way. Jesus' followers look different, act different, think different, and yes, sometimes even believe a little differently than the other Jesus' followers around them. Is that a bad thing? No, because it's our differences that make it all work. What would happen if we were all the same? Imagine if all the people in one church were the kind of people that analyzed everything to the nth degree. You know what I'm talking about. Would they ever get anything accomplished? No! <laughs> or what if a church only had people who were impulsive and jumped into things before they thought things through? It would be a mess. It's a balance sometimes, right? We work together. When you have one person who's a plumber, one who's a carpenter, one who's an electrician, one who's a painter, and one who's a roofer, you can put up a building during a mission trip. What would happen if all you had was plumbers? You'd have an amazing bathroom, but no walls. <laughs> different gifts, different abilities, different points of view are all important because they add up to getting more done than we could ever do by ourselves or if we were all the same. Jeff Nelson, some of you know uh, Jeff, pastor of Royal Oak United Methodist Church, said recently, it's easy to confuse unity with uniformity. Got that? Uniformity is found in communities that look alike, believe alike, vote alike. It is formed by people who come from the same economic backgrounds and who seek the same social aspirations. Unity, on the other hand, comes from the way different parts come together to form a whole. When we focus on differences, our focus is on each other. When we focus on unity, he says, our focus is on Jesus Christ. Uniformity does not require grace, right? Because you all just agree anyway. Unity is impossible without it. The very nature of the human body requires unity. As our scripture said this morning, you can't function as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe. We really can't get anything done unless we work together. Now, human beings being what they are, uh, if you get any group of people into a room and try to make a decision, you're going to have some disagreement, right? It's just human. Author Mary Hinkle Shore wrote, Paul knows the difficulties of living in community, and yet he refuses to try to solve them by ranking some in the church as more important than others, or by imagining that gifted in such a context means the same thing for everyone. 
In fact, it does not. By design, the body includes members with different gifts. We know it's hard to get along sometimes and to make decisions and figure things out. And we're not going to solve the challenge of how we get along when we are so different in this sermon. That's what the rest of the chapter of Romans 12 is for. So come back next week. <laughs> Little lesson number four. Everybody is a part. This analogy of the body that Paul uses um, has always made me chuckle a little bit because I think about all of the perhaps less desirable parts of the body. Does someone have to be the hangnail on the baby toe, for example? <laughs> Does someone have to be the large intestine? If you think about it, there are some people who end up having to deal with a lot of, well, you know. Paul actually expounds on this in another letter, this time to the Corinthians. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. So it's easy to remember. Those are the two places where he talks about the body of Christ. So here's part of 1 Corinthians 12, verses 22 to 26, also from the message today, where Paul is talking about how being a part of the body of Christ is actually what makes each of us significant. And that being a part of the body of Christ is also what prevents our significance from blowing up into self-importance. We don't elevate the higher parts, he says. As a matter of fact, in practice it works the other way. The lower the part, the more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. When it's a part of your own body you are concerned with, it makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor, just as it is, without comparisons. If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher. If you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion to full-bodied hair? I love that line. It continues, the way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. I had this lesson brought home to me in a powerful way in the last church where I served. I did congregational care there, too. Just like here, it had been a while since someone had had that specific task when I started, and it took some time uh, to find out uh, all the people who were homebound. After I'd been working there for over a year, I became aware of a woman who had been part of the church family um, for decades. She had grown up in the church and her family had been very active. But now her parents and her siblings were gone and she lived in a nursing home. You see, she wasn't independent. She had been intellectually challenged her whole life and now was physically unable to walk or even sit up. The nursing home where she lived was one of those facilities where the smell hit you the second you walked in the door. 
Her bed was on the floor with a mat next to it so she wouldn't fall and hurt herself. When I spoke to her, she yelled at me, not in a good way. And when I touched her arm, she cried out. When I met her, she had lived in that nursing home for almost 20 years. All I could say was, Lord, have mercy. Does Paul's analogy about the body of Christ, does that run out here? No. Everybody is a part of the body of Christ. When one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. It was because of her that I began leading worship services at that nursing home. It was because of her that the United Methodist women began doing gift bags for the residents with socks and lotion, calendars, and other necessities. It's because of her that I learned the meaning of our scripture lesson today. Was that why she was born? I don't believe that's true. She had lived a whole productive life with her family before she moved to that nursing home. But God did bring good, even out of her suffering. God wants all of us, not just a gesture here and there. God wants every bit of our lives to be given as an offering. Every word, every act, every decision is part of the worship that we offer to God. One of the ways we give our lives as an offering is by being a part of the body of Christ. It's not about being a superstar. It's about being part of something bigger than we can ever be by ourselves. I mean, we don't have to do everything. Just do our part. It's okay that we aren't all the same. In fact, it's imperative because it's our differences that make it all work. And always remember that everybody is a part of the body of Christ, even the parts we don't see. For some people, the part they play in the body of Christ is evident from day one. Others wonder, and maybe never understand. If that is you, look for what is right in front of you. Do what you can. Every act is important. And you're not alone. We're all in this together. Amen.